Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Delicious Magazine's November podcast with me, Jilly Smith. This month, we're on the trail of the American presidential campaign to find out what's cooking and to hear the inheritance recipes of TV legend Ken Hom. My mum would throw uh, ginger, garlic and spring onion into the... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hot walk, and that smell is incredible and we check out foodie cities at brighton and liverpool connect with our inner granny and sniff the lamb ragu slow cooking in the delicious kitchen but first we're off to the seaside the british airways i360 is about to celebrate its third month of gliding its visitors 162 meters above the brighton seafront but it's not just the views that the visitors are coming for eleanor harris is a CEO. We're nestled in the South Downs here. On a clear day, you've got beautiful views of the South Downs. Of course, so much fabulous produce comes from there. You know, the fact that we've got, you know, apples produced in our orchards up the road, you know, lamb and fabulous cheeses. I mean, we're just, it's just such a rich larder that we're, we're able to work with here. So it's really exciting. And for people who come here for weddings, parties, or just as tourists, yeah. you're actually reconstructing the whole seafront as an experience, aren't you? What we're expecting to happen is really similar to what happened in the London Eye Open to the South Bank. 
And this is just already a catalyst for regeneration. There was a, um, an article in the paper today saying that the lovely gentlemen who run the Regency restaurant right next to us are about to make a massive investment to increase their table covers because the I360 is here. You know, people like the Hilson are putting money in and reinvesting in their businesses. And we're seeing lots of new businesses opening up, up next to us. And I think this will become really the smartest and nicest part of the seafront. And, and it needed to. It's been a little bit run down this part of, this part of Brighton, so it's great to see. In charge of getting the best Sussex produce on the table at the brand new Bellevue restaurant is the 2013 MasterChef Professionals winner, Stephen Edwards. He says it's all about that local produce. My kind of style of food lends itself to working with local local suppliers and really bringing out the, the best that they have to offer. When, when I create menus for, for the company Etch uh, that, I, that I own, it's really just two ingredients that I put on the menu and then try and try and do as much justice to those ingredients as I can. I don't like to overcomplicate. I don't use a lot of spices. I, I like to keep it fresh and really make sure that the ingredient shines. That's the most important thing for me. And now we're in a great place where personality, um, technique, passion, they're all really coming to the forefront. The chefs are stepping out of the kitchen and want to show what they can do. And I think to have artistic flair is just as important now as having great cooking technique. Um, but again, it's showcasing what you can do as a chef. There's no right or wrong way to cook anymore. Uh, it's really just about creating great foods for the customers. Now, November is when America votes in its new president. And chief news writer at Channel 4 News, Felicity Spector, is off to cover the story. With an enormous following on social media as a foodie, she's watching closely what the candidates are eating. As you can imagine, with all politics, food isn't ever really a priority. For the candidates themselves, though, it can be an absolute political minefield. Partly because they've got to be polite to everybody that they come across. You could be a potential voter. And now that everything's recorded on camera... A lot of them really, really hate to be filmed eating in case they end up looking ridiculous. There's already been some massive gaffes. Donald Trump famously was filmed eating a pizza with a knife and fork and also putting two slices on top of each other, which comedians had a great time with, sort of pointing out that it would make the top crust soggy. How can you eat a pizza with a knife and fork? You're meant to pick it up. Hillary Clinton had an ice cream. She hardly ever gets seen eating because for a woman it's even more of a minefield, you can imagine. Uh, she had one ice cream and some reporter shouted out, what's the calorie count in that? Oh, All the other press corps booed, but obviously, would a man have got asked that? I don't How think so. How did she so. respond? She didn't say anything, but then she never actually managed to eat the ice cream because, of course, they take something and then millions of people start talking to them and then eventually they hand it off to some aide who spirits it away. You hope they get to, to try a bit in the car afterwards, but most of the time, I think that they end up having to have what's called a brown bag in America, which is the word for a sort of packed lunch. And, you know, we've all watched West Wing. It looks like you never eat or you eat on the run. How do they stay healthy? How do they keep going? Uh, it depends where you are. I, I volunteered on one of the campaigns when I was a student at Harvard. I, I did a mid-career degree and we were doing the New Hampshire primary which is absolutely freezing it was January it was there was frost it was uh, minus 20 um, I struggled out in the in the sort of with the frostbite warning so I could get to the one decent bagel shop in Manchester New Hampshire because I wasn't prepared to eat the campaign food which was donut holes not even donuts from Dunkin' Donuts the bit in the middle this is a thing apparently Dunkin' Donuts coffee which is a, a crime against coffee and uh, jars of peanut butter that seemed to be the staple fare. The most famous political uh, venue probably to go um, in New Hampshire is this place called the Red Arrow Diner in Manchester. And all the candidates have been through. And I remember going in there one day. It was the only place that was open after 8 o'clock. 
and um, I signed the visitors book and the, the name above me was George W Bush I felt quite important Ooh. now I just to name drop myself I just saw your colleague John Snow in the chemist across the road and he said that he would bet a thousand to one that Trump won't win who knows I, after the Brexit vote nobody will actually call the election John likes it he, he's always laying bets on these things um, and he's a veteran at these games he's done every election probably since about 19 19- 80 or something. Even Trump now, they're, they're talking about it being very difficult to, to believe that they can turn the polls around at this point and they haven't got the kind of on-the-ground operation which Hillary's had in place since practically 2012, to be honest, about so that all these early voters who are coming out now are sort of massively Hillary voters. Um, it's hard to see how he'll win, but I wouldn't rule anything out simply because we were all fooled last time by the polls. One of the most popular and longest-standing features in Delicious is the regular Tastes Like Home feature, which recognises the importance of food and home and the influences and inspiration from the people who taught us to cook, who first got us to lick the cake bowl or sniff a fragrant simmering stew. Next up, we meet three people whose inheritance recipes have inspired a lifetime in cooking. Australian food writer, Rebecca Sullivan, our own editorial team, Karen Barnes and Susan Lowe, and the legendary TV chef, Ken Hom, who was in London this week to launch his new book, A Stir Fried Life, which tells the story of his life through recipes. I caught up with him at Borough Market to see which of them he would call his inheritance recipe. For me, it's always going home from school and as soon as I walk in the door my mum would throw uh, ginger garlic and spring onion into the hot walk and that smell is incredible I mean until the day I die I will always remember that smell as home cooked food uh, and love this is the recipe that you'd like to pass on tell us what it brings back uh, about your mother we were very poor but you know what we always ate well in other words, not enough, but we ate well. And I thought it was amazing how my mother was able to throw the things together uh, that were very cheap, um, inexpensive, but made a delicious meal that was uh, satisfying, uh, savory. Um, and the only thing I would complain wasn't enough. I could have eaten ten times as much. <laughs> well, we ate it. My daughter and I ate it last night, and it is minced beef mixed with spring onions and uh, garlic and ginger, and thrown into um, a, a pan with sesame oil. And it's that lovely smell of sesame oil with some shaoxing that really makes that wonderful taste that's that's so evocative. And you know what? It's so simple. You can. Um, cook it really quickly but you can have a satisfying meal at the same time who other than your readers would you want to pass on the recipes from your mother to I would probably like to pass it on to my grandsons Um, they're young now but they're uh, four and six and I actually like to show them how to do some of these recipes so they can carry it with them as well. It's a long time since his first BBC series, Chinese Cookery, in 1984. I asked him what he thinks of British food now. When I first came here in 71, things were just beginning. And and now I think the, the UK, Great Britain, is so vibrant. And I was just, for example, in Leeds, and you just drive and you see, you know, Afghan kitchen. You see... I mean, you don't have to even travel in the world. You can just eat in all these different places. And, you know, that's for the good. Because the more we share, the more we learn, the richer our lives are. And 
it's it's a positive message I'm trying to uh, uh, say that don't be afraid we live in a global world let's share each other's food and let's learn from each other and let's taste and smell and just be happy do you think in the way that Italians now really cook Italian food in the way that they didn't before they cooked spaghetti bolognese with tomato ketchup does Chinese food taste like Chinese food now oh absolutely when I first came here in 71 I said what is this people pleasing (laughs) yeah exactly and I could see um, there's less and less of that and it's not only in London because people talk about London you have to go really outside of London to places like Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool. And that's where you really feel how Chinese food has progressed. It's food that I can eat with my friends from Hong Kong, and we say, this is a Chinese meal. Not only is it authentic, but it's better than ever because we're getting different ingredients now from China. And you have to remember that we're going to have an influx of uh, Chinese living here from China, um, and they demand the top quality food and that's a great benefit for all the British people now November the 20th is stir up Sunday the last Sunday before Advent when the family is supposed to get together to stir the Christmas pudding delicious editor Karen Barnes told deputy editor Susan Lowe about her mother's Christmas pudding recipe that conjures up a very special memory. My mother was a a great cook and in many ways she was a cooker ahead of her time. And uh, when she sadly died when I was 15, she handed on to me uh, her recipe book, which is one of my greatest treasures. And one of the best recipes, in fact there are two recipes that very much encapsulate uh, our home cooking and that was uh, Christmas pudding and also brandy butter and orangey brandy butter to go with it and I have to say that Christmas for me and for my brother Mark would not be the same if we didn't have that pudding I think he would lynch me if I turned up on Christmas day (laughs) without the obligatory family Christmas pudding and it's a recipe that my mother modified over the years I've added a few things to and it's it's quite light because some Christmas puddings are a bit heavy aren't they and this one is much more what did you think when you tasted it when I was actually reading the recipe I could almost I could almost taste it I could smell the orange and I can smell the spice when we tasted it, it was much, much lighter. I think most people who love to cook love to read through recipes and imagine mm. what they're going to taste like. And if the words leap off the page, as well as that enticing picture to draw you in, that's what makes you want to cook something. But this recipe has um, some carrot in there and also some grated apple and it has a good hit of booze and it's not boiled for too long so it is quite light and then the brandy butter it's really just icing sugar um orange brandy um just and butter of course all whizzed up together it takes about five minutes and it's so good you could almost eat a bowlful mm. but and i like the fact that the carrots make it count as one of your vegetables a day as well in well, the pudding yes and having booze with it obviously makes it Very much better. So. it kills two birds with one stone yes so this is a treasure for me and uh, i think um it, it's a recipe that i teach people because i love i want it to endure i don't want it to to stop with me um it's not just my family recipe i want it to become i would love it to become other people's family recipe and it's interesting to see how recipes do have a life of their own we look after the recipes for a while but they actually take on a life of their own that's a really nice way of looking at it actually
hadn't thought of that but I, I think if you love to cook that's what you do you you develop things but there's also another reason to have it in the magazine actually and that's because as a magazine you, as you know we support two charities one is breast cancer yes. care and the other one is action against hunger and I've flagged up the fact that it's in the magazine in support of breast cancer care so that uh, people are reminded of that charity and uh, and the importance of it. And you can join Karen at a special carol service and two-course dinner at the Jamira Carlton Tower Hotel in London on December the 5th in support of breast cancer care. Have a look at the November issue of the magazine for more details. When Australian food writer Rebecca Sullivan lost her great-grandmother, it was more than a recipe that she inherited. The author of Like Grandma Used to Make was so moved by the legacy that she left behind that she created the Granny Skills Movement to remind us all what we can learn from our grandmothers. I lost my great-grandmother Lil when she was 100, so she had an incredible innings. But what had happened is I'd been working in food for such a long time and my mum saved me some of her things. I was living in London, so she saved me a little box. And in the box were all of these medals. So my great-grandmother was this award-winning baker. The women's own cookery competitions in the 30s, which which were huge. So she had a stack of certificates and all of these bronze medals. And her Victoria sponge was famous and I'd never seen her make it. And in an instant, my little heart broke into a million pieces. Oh my God, how have I been working in food for nearly a decade and I'd never seen my grandmother cook? And I just went, I can't be the only person that has had this regret around not spending that time with my grandmother, not asking her the questions about her life. You know, you just sort of take it all for granted. So Rebecca decided to find her inner granny. I asked her what that means. I'm on this mission to learn to preserve, you know, to learn to make jam and pickles. And I also started to think about what grannies do best. And what grannies did best is they ate locally, seasonally, and they didn't waste food. You'd go to my grandmother's house, it's probably the same for yours, and cupboard was bare, but a feast would come from nowhere. And I started to think, well, that's the most sustainable thing we can do as people is eat like our grandmothers not because we're hipsters and we're cool but they did that because they had no choice and it just made sense it's like find your inner granny and from there this idea spurred into a, a movement I guess. The next step was to pass the skills on to the next generation. So we placed grannies into schools and they taught how to preserve, how to pickle, um, how to not waste food so we set a challenge for a whole term called the granny skills term The kids learnt how to pickle and preserve with 10 grannies. Then they entered those things in the local show. So rural shows and regional shows are big all over the world. And what it does is it connects them with country and with community. So it was a really great way also to get the kids inspired to, you know, competition. Kids love competition. And the waste thing, um, we set them a waste challenge where they would bring things from home that their mum would otherwise be throwing in the bin. And they were set this challenge to see how they could creatively turn it into a feast. But then what we found is the trials we did in 10 schools was that this turned into this miraculous, because we were getting a lot of the grannies from aged care homes and nursing homes and this it turned into this positive aging program it became not less about the kids but more about how we empower elder people who don't necessarily have family who are sitting you know god forbid in a bloody nursing home staring out of a window heartbroken because they're feeling worthless and they have nothing to do and the nurses said that for the 10 weeks that those grannies were and grandpas were involved in the program they didn't complain once about being sick or you know there's always an ailment if you're in a nursing home and they said it was 
absolutely unbelievable oh. unbelievable because these these people had you know a sense of place again and they were sharing their knowledge and they felt worth something is that happening in the uk we would like it to happen in the uk if i can find some leaders or some grannies or a school that would like to do it the idea is there and we've created a toolkit so that it can be implemented um but we need to spread the news okay so delicious readers are a pretty kind of active lot absolutely let's give them a call to action how can they get in touch with you i I think they should definitely join our granny skills facebook page that's a good start send me a message and then we'll make some stuff happen because that's how all great movements start isn't it it's from grassroots it's from people like the delicious listeners and, and readers um and if they would like to take on the granny skills program in some way shape or form maybe it's just running a jamming class or a pickling class or you know bringing going to a local nursing home we would love to see granny skills and grandpa skills it's not a sexist movement by the way we do have grandpa skills so grandpa skills is a bit more about the garden and the shed and they we can give them the toolkit and they can start a granny skills club in a nursing home where they could go in and you know do knitting or crocheting or all of those things so we would love that to happen definitely it's that time of year when teenagers and their parents are chasing up and down the motorways of Britain to find the universities of their dreams before the UCAS application deadline at the end of November. But what makes a city a great place to live for a student for the next three years? For Liverpool University student Nadia Siplovchak, it's the food. Arrived at University of Liverpool. Bold Street is the street where you walk down and you'll find everything you looked for as a student so you walk past pizza slice shops just go and grab a piece of pizza you're done for the day there's also a marais which is a fantastic restaurant if you're looking for blood orange and mozzarella with peppercorns and just something really different and um, there's also lebanese food there's an eatery called leaf which has a sister company which is also down on the docks called oh me oh my fantastic lunches. Tamara Sabri is the Senior Operations Officer at the University of Liverpool. She says that students can even have a loyalty card to encourage the growth of the independent food scene. Independent Liverpool is set up to promote independent restaurants, bars, uh, shops in Liverpool. So the idea is to encourage local entrepreneurs rather than just um, all the chains that we have. So um, a lot of independent places will give you maybe like 10% if you've got an independent Liverpool card. They'll use locally sourced uh, materials and food and everything and it's just about encouraging people to go independent in Liverpool and a lot of the places are quite local to the campus so Bold Street is one of the most prominent areas and that's only about a 5-10 minute walk away and then you've got places on Mount Pleasant so it's all accessible that you could do in a lunch hour if you've got an hour between lectures Where's the best place to go? I think my favourite is Cuthbert's on Mount Pleasant. They do the most amazing cupcakes. And you can get a cupcake loyalty card. Nick Van Brumen is from the award-winning Moose Coffee, which specialises in American breakfasts. I asked him why he'd brought waffles and eggs benedicts to Liverpool. You know, we'd been to the States uh, quite a few times, and the, the kind of the germ of Moose, I guess, came from those visits, being in on Broadway, um, down in Chelsea looking at kind of these great places where you could get gallons of coffee and great foods and thinking well at that time there was nothing in the UK offering that for me offering that experience certainly in the northwest. Moose has just celebrated its 10th birthday and there are still queues around the block every weekend. I asked him why he thought they were so successful. I think we're, we're kind of like the granddaddy of, of the kind of breakfast scene in the city, really. We've been around for 10 years. Moose on Dale Street, which is our first in Liverpool, is a lovely old listed building. So it had, it, and it's in a part of the city that's very like 
kind of a New York Avenue. We were quite lucky in that we had the build, the right building in the right place, and we had a great idea. And I think, I think people appreciate that. You know, we were definitely at the time something different. It wasn't about for us kind of like, well, how much money do we need to make? And it was about love and passion. It was about you know we enjoyed what we did. As in London and Manchester, Liverpool's food scene has become full of employment opportunities. The city's on the upward curve. You know this. You know this area we're in now is called a knowledge quarter, and that's um, uh, uh, developing a new area behind us, which will be totally dedicated to kind of independent restaurants. And we've got the food and drink festival. It's now used to be once a year, it's now twice a year. So you know there's a lot happening around food and drink in the city, and there's a lot of opportunity for young people and entrepreneurs who are seeing what's happening to kind of come along and join in really you know it's definitely a it's a it's a vibrant place and for the right people there's still a lot of opportunity here to you know to join the bandwagon and finally Karen Barnes and her deputy Susan Lowe discuss how they came up with the ideas behind November's magazine the celebration issue we started off in the planning uh, dubbing this issue the entertaining issue and then when it came to it we realised that that feels like slightly old-fashioned term and really what we were trying to encapsulate weren't we was that sense to move of, it on slightly yeah and that sense of inviting friends round and it being incredibly relaxed and we started thinking what's the what's the food that we really want to eat the food that we love to eat and share with people and those are the recipes that we've packed into this issue. Because sometimes in a way entertaining sounds a bit formal and what we didn't want was this to be formal, we wanted it to be about sharing and getting people around the table and Mm -hmm. having a really really nice time but that's really really hard to put into a cover line and to put on the cover of a magazine. It is, so in the end we decided to uh, dub it the celebration issue and then we have a big feature that's uh, almost 20 pages long that's about all the food that starters main courses side dishes fantastic puddings that we would love to cook for friends and the aim was to devise recipes that were relatively simple to do in terms of their preparation not leaving you too much to do while your friends are sitting around the table having a nice time we think it's a really fine feast but it's actually really easy to pull together and you know it's very well coordinated and apart from tasting amazing it's not going to leave you feeling haggard and worn out when your guests are having a good time you can be joining them and having a few glasses as well exactly that and the other great thing in that feature is that we've got ideas for um, how to to lay the table and gather together beautiful candles and flowers. So it's a complete guide. There's even a bit of music in there. Uh, So there's something of everything. One of the recipes you can find in the magazine this month is a slow-cooked lamb shank ragu hot pot. I found food editor Rebecca Woolard creating it in the delicious kitchen. It's it's actually really simple. Uh, Onions, garlic, celery, carrots, um, tomato puree, chopped tomatoes, red wine, lamb shanks that I just browned off in some flour to thicken the sauce a little bit um, and then I'm going to cut the potatoes in quite a specific way so I'll have some off cuts so later I'll put the off cuts of the potatoes into the sauce just to give it a bit of extra thickness and um, once the lamb shanks are tender I'll pull the meat off the bone and shred it roughly so you get you've got no bones it's just um, gorgeous soft pulled meat it's for an entertaining feature so you want something that you can do in advance uh, that you can freeze if necessary um, and that will look really beautiful when you bring it to the table the Delicious Podcast. And that's it from the November edition of the Delicious Magazine Podcast. You can find out more about all things delicious by going to the website deliciousmagazine.co.uk. 
And if you'd like to get in touch with any of your ideas, call us on 0203 868 1919 or email readers at deliciousmagazine.co.uk. See you next month. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.